of a champion. I remember I did a teaching on this a while back, some years ago. Not the same teaching, y'all, because you know God gives you new revelation. And so I like to say living as a champion because uh, all it takes is knowing who you are. Amen. Knowing who you are. Amen. So whenever you're ready, Miss Maestro, Mrs. Both Maestro, Mrs. Amen, and we'll get started. Hallelujah. Oh, okay. Father, we do thank you, praise you. And we lift you up today, Lord. We bless you and we exalt you. Now, Father, I ask that you break open the bread of life for your people here today. Lord, we want to hear from heaven so that we can be healed in every way, spiritually, physically, and mentally. And Lord, we we welcome change because change is of you, Lord God. We do thank you. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Life of a champion. So champions are overcomers. If you're an overcomer, then you're a champion. Amen. Don't ever let the this is this is the thing and this is what i believe god had me preach this and this is the understanding that i got that i didn't get the last time i don't think i I don't know where those notes are but i can tell you this when you fail failure is not you know that term failure is not Uh, Well, it's not an option. That's true. It's not fatal. Failure ain't fatal. Everybody failed. And this is, I think, what God wants us to understand and know, hold on to. When you mess up, when you make wrong choices, when you don't do the right thing, when something happens in your life that you had no control over, And I'm not saying that you're a victim because I'm never a victim. Amen. I'm a victor. But when you mess up or maybe you didn't make the right decisions in your past and the devil keeps throwing that out at you, I'm telling you, God does not want that. And I believe those are the people that he is speaking to today, which is all of us. Because I made some wrong decisions. You know, I've, you know. Some things I didn't do anything about that I should have, or it's just always something because we're not perfect. But God is saying in this hour, failure is not fatal. The devil will hound you and hound you and make you feel bad about wrong decisions or wrongdoings or whatever it is. God is saying you are a champion. A champion is nothing no more than a person that knows who he is in Christ Jesus. A champion applies the word of God to every situation in their life. And so that's what a champion is, and that's you and me. I believe the end-time army are champions in every way. So we have to start looking at ourselves in a different light. Stop believing the lies of the devil. We don't want to think that we're more than what we are. But we certainly don't want to think of ourselves less than what we are because when we do that, the devil pounces on us, amen? And he'll always throw up what you didn't do 
or what you did do or how you used to think or I mean that's just part of life some people more than others but I, I know this one thing if you stay teachable if you keep a teachable spirit the devil cannot play with you as much as those that you know so just keep a teachable spirit but when you mess up you tell the devil look I'm redeemed I am the redeemed you know Jesus went to that cross for me so that I can get uh, a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, whatever. God doesn't run out of chances for his people. He just doesn't. That's how he is. But the devil wants you to think the opposite. But God has as many chances as you need. Amen. Not taking advantage of God. We're not taking advantage of him. But we know him. And we take him at his word. The cross was a success. The cross, the cross was not a failure. Jesus accomplished everything that he was supposed to accomplish at that cross. And if he didn't, he would not have said it is finished. Amen. So it's like this. All your mess ups, all your hurts, all your wounds. I don't care if you had 16 divorces, whatever it is. Jesus took care of that at the cross. Amen. And the cross was a success. The cross was not a failure. He took care of everything. Amen. And Jesus took care of everything that is to come. I don't care what kind of trouble you can get into. If you repent with your whole heart, God will give you a second chance. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we need to start to trust him more. This is what I'm getting. Trust him more. Amen. Satan was defeated at that cross and he's still defeated, but he wants us to think that he was not defeated and he has authority over us, which he doesn't, you know, the, the redeemed and that's you and me. We are not the devil's business. He has nothing to do with what we do. He has nothing to do with what we say, what we think. And this is another thing. Sometimes we condemn ourselves because we have wrong thoughts. But you know what? The devil can get in your thoughts. But as long as you don't say it out loud, what you're thinking, he don't have no, he, he's not in there. Just don't say everything you think. Amen. And when you think wrong, and, and how do you know when it's wrong? It Does it go along with the word of God? And so if it doesn't, you can do something about that yourself because we uh, are guardians over our own selves. And so all we have to do is uproot that wrong thought. You know, all of these reasonings, the Bible says uh, those reasonings and the things that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, those are high-minded thoughts. Or sometimes a subject will come up and we think we know everything about it. It's always room. There's always room for growth, room for more knowledge, more wisdom, and no, more understanding. And so what we need to do is just remember who's leading us, who's guiding us. And so we just need to do more maintenance, uh, maintenance work over our, ourselves. Because we are guardians of our own. And we're responsible for us and nobody else. Amen. Hallelujah.
but the devil is defeated. So usually when a brother or sister fails, we usually reject them, shun them, dislike them. Amen. Like Peter when he denied Jesus. I I didn't know him. I wasn't with him. You must be mistaken. That wasn't me. <laughs> he didn't know Jesus. He 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 said he didn't know him. And uh-uh. When he went through the city, people would say, you're one of the ones that was with him. He said, oh, no, I didn't know him. Because, see, he thought the cross was a failure. He thought the cross didn't do what people thought it was going to do. But when he found out that Jesus was alive, that he rose, and that he was in the city and had been seen by Martha, or was it Mary, and others in the city. Yeah, I was with him. I'm down with him. So, see, we have a tendency to put people down or wash our hands of them when we know that there was a failure in their lives. But that's not what the Bible says to do. Amen. And so after um, Jesus was seen and they found out he wasn't dead, but he was actually alive, then the story changed. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus rose from the grave. And then Peter was glad to know him. And actually, Peter gained strength from their association. His partnership, or I can't say partnership, but his association with Jesus strengthened him and made him one of the uh, most powerful disciples in the Bible. Amen. Peter was the one that, uh, well, he did say, Peter, you're the rock, but Jesus was the rock. But Peter had that revelation of Jesus being the rock. And then uh, Jesus told him, upon this rock, I will build my church. So Peter is the one that received and understood that revelation of the church. And then Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. But Peter got that revelation before anybody. And so you see, he went from dissing Jesus, not knowing him, not wanting to be associated because of the cross and what he thought the cross didn't do. He went from that to the, the the disciple that had the most revelation about who Jesus was. Because the question was, who does men think I am? And some of the other disciples say, oh, some say you're a prophet. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say that you're, some, what's the, some of the other names? They gave them a list. John the Baptist. They said, he. some people think you're John the Baptist. But Peter said, that you are the, you, amen, hallelujah. And Jesus said that could have only come from revelation, amen. And so he says upon this rock, Peter, you're a rock, a rock of understanding, a rock of knowledge, a rock of revelation, but Jesus is the rock, but Peter got that understanding. He says, so upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against the church amen and so peter when you see how when you mess up or when you think wrong or when you do wrong you can swing if you don't give up into the most knowledgeable person (laughs) there is all you need to do is just don't give up on who god said you are amen hallelujah so 
Jesus uh, uh, made everything possible when he went to that cross, and it accomplished everything that it was supposed to accomplish. Amen. So why don't we go to Matthew 16, and we'll just read it for ourselves. Matthew 16, verse, let's see, 13. Matthew sixteen thirteen it says, And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And um, let's see. Who do people say I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist. Yeah, there it is. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets, verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, this was his gang. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, some Bibles say, Peter, you are Peter the rock. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. Amen? Hallelujah. And that word Hades means the power of death cannot prevent the advancement of the kingdom, nor claim victory over those who belong to God. So in other words, that word Hades, when Jesus said the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against the church, that means that it won't prevail against you and me. It cannot prevail. So what is hell? Hell has, wait a minute, I think, did I look that up? Okay, the gates of Hades, the power of death. That means the power of death cannot advance on the kingdom. So the power of death cannot advance on you or me, nor claim victory over those who belong to God. Well, why do people die prematurely? Because God is God wants to do something, but he can't because he's given us the authority. See, once God gives you something, he'll take it back. It's yours. I remember listening to Kenneth Hagin, and um, there was some, <clears throat> they were in a service, and it was some, uh, they were laying hands on some man. And as I remember it, uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Sen- and I'm talking about Kenneth Sr., he and his wife and some other women had gone to somebody's house, and they were laying hands on him, and he just kept saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. He would get close to receiving, and then he would say, I can't, I can't. And Kenneth would say, you can't what? He said, I just can't receive my healing. Long story short, you know you know what? Now I'm getting that mixed up. That's not the one. That's the one that said, I can't receive, and he didn't, and he died. This, uh, it was another man I remember now, and he had a demon, and a demon was causing his sickness. And so, uh, at the, they didn't know what they would, what to do. And so at the last minute, Kenneth took authority over that demon and it came out. And God later told him, he said, I'm glad you did that. 
He said, because if you hadn't have done that, it was nothing I could have done. He says, he just would have died with that thing. And so he says, I'm glad you did that because my hands were tied. So there's some things when God gives us authority to do something, it's up to us to do it. You know, some things, see, because there's all, you can get healed, thank God, not just one way. There's a lot of different ways. You can get healed off somebody else's faith, but then this, the thing comes, will you hold it? Would you, will you keep it? And that's why it's best to know God for yourself. But this was a demon, and uh, Kenneth Hagin saw it. And it was, you know, flying around this guy. And so he took authority over that demon. And it, when it left and flew out the window, God says, I'm glad you did that. He said, because it would have been nothing I could do. So God, you see, God wants to heal these people. He wants to heal everybody, even sinners. He wants to heal everybody, but everybody don't take advantage of it. And it goes back to being a champion. Champions know who they are. Champions understand that what God has given us, he don't take it back. Once it's given, it's given. So if he's given us the keys to the kingdom, the Bible says, and I, I think that's further down. Let's keep reading. Um, verse 18, it says, and I also say to you that you were Peter and on this rock, I will build the church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom. There it is the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Amen. And so the keys to the kingdom represent authority. Amen. So in other words, this is what God is saying to us. The power of death cannot pre, uh, cannot, the power of death cannot advance on the church because the power of death has been broken because of the blood of Jesus. So where the power of death has no dominion over us anymore once you're born again and, and feel it as full of the spirit especially, the power of death has no power, no advancement over the kingdom, nor claim victory over those who belong to God. And then the keys is authority. Authority. So all champions have authority. Why? Because they're overcomers. Amen? They're overcomers. So that's what makes us different from the regular church, just, just in there playing with the pews, you know, not going out to minister to people, not praying um issues that heaven is concerned about prayer is good don't get me wrong but it's even better when you're praying for issues that god is concerned about amen that has to come from heaven you must understand what god is concerned about you know and he is concerned about a lot of uh, most he's really concerned about everybody but there's a way that you go uh to the to the throne of god See, you even have to know how to pray right. Amen. So David was a murderer. Let's look at another person. He murdered Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, committed adultery, and went on to be a great king. 
Amen. Not trying to say uh, that it was right, it was wrong. But see, God wants us to understand him. That's what makes you a champion when you understand who you are. When you understand God's forgiveness, when you understand what he's given us, when you understand what uh, Jesus died for, he went on to be a great king. When he was a young boy, he uh, slaughtered Goliath. Amen. Everybody else was scared of Goliath, including his big brothers. They were all afraid. The whole army was afraid of Goliath, but uh, David took him on. Amen. And nobody made him do it. The Bible specifically says he ran to the, to the giant. He ran to that uh, uncircumcised Philistine. And he took care of him because God gave him a, a what do you call that? Gave him a, a, when you, when you get something from God as to how to take, take care of a, a problem. Yeah, strategy. Thank you. Gave him a strategy on how to take care of him. Amen. And a stone did it. He, he couldn't have done that any other way, but by God's, uh, revelation and his vision just like peter said you are the rock you know you're the son of the living god that some things you only get by revelation amen and that's the thing that we need to break us out of uh something that could take our lives and so we need to stay close to god amen but don't i think what god wants us to understand is he doesn't want us to give up on ourselves because the devil's going to tell you it's too late. He's going he's, he's a liar. He's going to tell you all sorts of things. Well, you did this wrong. If you hadn't have done that wrong, then maybe you'd be married by now. It's just a lie. And even if it's true, not, it's not too, it's not too hard for God to straighten out. Amen. When we belong to God, He can fix anything. And in fact, I call Him the fixer. Amen. He's, he, so he's just looking for people who are committed to him. Amen. So back to David, he conquered the lion and the bear, Goliath. Amen. And he didn't back down because he knew who he was. Now, a lot of people say, well, he was in the Bible and that's why he had power to do these things. Not true. Amen. David didn't allow fear to master him. See, when we allow fear to stand in our way, amen, then some things just doesn't get accomplished. Why does fear come? Because we're not sure that God is going to do it. Why do, why do we feel that way? Because we are not sure about who we are in him. Amen. We're not sure about who we are in him. So we allow fear to master us. Job said, the thing I greatly feared came upon him. And really, that's what caused all of his problems because he feared it on the inside. So what do we do when we feel fear? We take care of that. God's already told us how to take care, refute all of these high-minded, think this high-minded thinking and ideas. See, when you refute the thoughts, the thoughts are granular thoughts. They're thoughts. Uh, that doesn't match up with what God has already said. 
It's like if God has already said we have victory over the enemy, then that thought comes to you, I don't have victory. This is too big or it's not going to work. Then you know to refute that. In Jesus' name, I command this this thinking to go for me in Jesus' name because we have authority and even your thought process must obey you, must obey the word of God. Yeah, it's going to come back. And when it come back, you come back with the same thing. Give it a scripture and learn how to fight. And it's called um, training your thoughts to be higher. His God's thoughts are higher than ours. That's why he says that. Because we sometimes, we allow the devil to play with our, our thinking and play with our minds. We believe the first thing we hear. We don't allow God to minister to us. And we're all guilty of it. But we don't allow God to minister to us to, uh, you know, give us a clear understanding about his word, about everything. That stuff has to come from God. And so we must allow God to say what he needs to say. Amen. Hallelujah. So Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon you. And we need to recognize who we are and what the cross has done for us. And then we walk in victory. When we can control how we think or, or allow our thinking to uh, be controlled by the Holy Spirit, and this is what walking in the Spirit is. It means that you don't walk by flesh and blood. You don't walk by what you hear. You walk by what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. And we take our, well, let's see, we take our instructions from the Holy Ghost not from our thought process because our thoughts are going to get screwed up a lot. But this is the good thing. Just because you think it doesn't mean, don't say it. It doesn't affect you until you say it. So we need to, and we all need to brush up on that. I know I'm, I'm still trying to clean it up. But I know one thing, I have victory over evil. I have victory over the devil. I have victory over every evil work, every every assignment that's launched against me, I have victory over it. So the cross expunged all of our failures. If we can get that, that cross, the blood of Jesus, expunged everything that we've done wrong, even every idle thought. But it's good to get our thinking straightened out because the Bible also says we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak that's why it's important to get your mind cleaned up by the word of god amen call back some of the negative things you know that we've said call back the the double see that's what causes people to be double-minded is when we don't take care of how we think then we think in two this is the thing we think in two different ways we're thinking what god has said and then when somebody comes and you have a wrong conversation and you back thinking the old way. And so when we know who we are and when we know what that cross provided, when we know that the cross of Jesus Christ has expunged every negative thing, then we're, we're more at ease, we're sharper, and we're uh, more, how can I say it? We're more apt to think twice not receive things that we hear. Uh, does that make sense? Did I say that right? 
and we put our keep ourselves in check a little better. Amen. So let's see. The cross has given us victory over the devil. We read that over death by the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we need to stop allowing the devil to tell us who we are. He's going to tell you, well, you ain't this. You you didn't do it. What what happened in, in 97? That kind of stuff. Amen. But I'm still victorious. Yeah, and all of that stuff, I've laid that before the Lord, and I'm still victorious. Amen. You are God's champion, so we need to just start acting like it. Amen. Because God is looking for us, the people talking about the glory and talking about what's to come. But are you ready for the glory? Are you going to obey God and go out there and preach Jesus Christ to the world? God has that reserved for the champions, people who know who they are, people who love him, people who want to spread the good news, because that's what the gospel is. It is good news. Amen. Life is full of choices, so we need to choose to think like a champion. See, champions don't think um, failure. They don't think uh, uh, loss. We think uh, overcoming and victor, we think victorious, and that's what a champion is. Amen. Now let's go to Proverbs three, and I'm telling you this is uh, important because these are the people that God is. We're, God is dependent on us to be what His Word says we're supposed to be, because that's who we are. He's just waiting on us to <laughs> figure it out. Amen. And start to act like, act like who he says we are. I'll say that. Amen. Now, it's something else that I want, uh, I believe God wants us to understand is champions are covenant minded. See, I believe this is why Abraham, uh, had faith. You know, he didn't at first, took 20 years. But then he and Sarah, in fact, Sarah laughed when he first told them, you're going to have a child. But the more and more they started to trust God, and that's what it's all about, trusting God. Amen? And so the more they trusted God, they started to understand that God could not fail them. And I believe Abraham and Sarah finally figured out that they were in covenant with God and God is not a covenant breaker. More importantly, they, uh, figured out that God could do anything and he was not a man that he should lie. I mean, they started to learn a lot of things about God. And one of the things that they learned is that God, he was in covenant with God, just like we are. God is a covenant keeper. And blood was shed for that covenant. You know, a covenant is no good without blood. And so that covenant still goes right back to the blood of Jesus, goes right back to that cross. And this is what gave Abraham and Sarah the confidence that they had, that they would be a father, that he would be a father and she would be a mother of many nations. And so uh, champions, in other words, they understand the covenant. See, if we would understand some things, if we had more revelation, we wouldn't take these, uh, how can I say, these opportunities for granted um, where we don't excel more and 
trust God with more and do more for him. And so we need to understand that we are mighty through Jesus Christ. The covenant covers that too. If God says he's going to do something for you, he's going to do it. But many of us don't trust that. And it was a time when I didn't either. And the more and more I got to thinking about it, I said, well, I'm in covenant with him. And so he has to do these things. And yeah, I said that. He has to do these things for you. And the minute we get on that gravy train, hate to call it that, but it might as well be, because when you get that revelation, nothing is held back from you. You know, you might as well just get a new bank account. Go on and, and figure out what house you want. Because I'm telling you, when you realize who God, who we are in Christ and who God is to us, he is our covenant partner. He's our father. He's our creator. But he's also in covenant with us. And when we realize who we are to him and who he is to us, you'll be, you'll trust him more. I know I do more and more every day because I'm learning more and more about who he is. And so you don't have to worry about everything like we normally do because you say, look, I'm in covenant with him and he's a covenant keeper. Look, he cannot lie. So what he says he's going to do, he's got to do it. And the sooner we understand that, we'll see more victory in our lives. Proverbs 3, let's go to verse 5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. See, and this is what we do too much. Christians always got to understand stuff. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he should direct your path. Amen. So don't worry about what you don't understand. Because the Bible, I've never read where it says the gospel has to be understood. It says it has to be preached. And so once we start to obey God and realize who he is in us, we'll get more uh, victory in everything that we do. Everything that our hands touch will prosper. You know, everything that we call, call call a dog. See, we have to understand If you want the cat, don't call the dog. In other words, we'll start to be more precise about our understanding with God and what he will uh, cause to materialize in our lives. But we have to understand some things. And so because what your mouth your 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 mouth has power, your words have power, your your mouth creates your it creates your, your, uh, what's that word I'm trying to think of? Your future. And so if we understood that, we would use it a little more carefully. Amen? I know I, I do. I said, well, wow, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm quick to repent and apologize for whatever I say that's wrong. Because I understand the weight of wrong talk and wrong thinking. I understand it more. And the more you understand, the more victory we get. Amen. When you acknowledge you're in covenant with God, you have no doubt. See, that's why we have doubt. We forget about the covenant. And God has to provide for your family. He has to. When my husband first left and I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I was on disability and I couldn't work. I guess I could have went out, but I had the church. Pastor Barb, you know, was moving, and I had to be here for the church. 
And I said, so I can't work. And then uh, my job uh, offered me a, a, a job, a good position. And I had to pray about taking it. And, of course, everybody said, I'd take that. That's a lot of money. But I couldn't because I already had a job here. So I decided that I was just going to trust God with my food, my clothes, everything. I had to because I could have got out there and, you know, and did that. But I made a decision. I stuck with it. And God has never let me down, ever. I've never missed a house note in 32 years. Never, ever have I missed a house note because he's always provided. And if it didn't come from God, he, he, uh, you know, somebody would say, oh, I got some extra money. Here, just pay that and give it back. That happened one time. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But then God says, well, that's me taking. It was Bridget and Raymond. She said, oh, I got some extra money. And I don't want to take your money. But you know what? God provided me to pay her back with interest. And she says, I didn't give you that. I said, yeah, but I'm giving that to you. That's your interest. And that was years ago in the 90s, and I've never had to do that anymore. God is a provider. He don't provide for people too much that don't trust him. We have to know who he is. Or you, you, you ever just got barely enough? There was times when I got barely enough, and I'm like, well, what's up with that? I thought he was Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> but I found out I wasn't trusting him. Like I should have. It, it's always us. It's never God. But you know what? I'm, I found out God is so lenient because I'm so thankful he didn't punish me for all that craziness, not believing and being nervous and not trust. It all goes back. Fear is the opposite of faith. I mean, it negates your faith. And so, you know, but he put up with me and he put up with you too. But I'm so thankful that I learned. And so that's why to me, money's just not a, it's not a big deal to me because I came from a lot. And then your, your, uh, you know, your breadwinner disappears and then with no warning. So I didn't, I didn't have some stolen money in the bank like a lot of these women. And then they want to come back and sue them for what they took. So it wasn't like that. But God became, I started allowing God to be my husband and my provider. And he did it very well. Very well. Amen. Hallelujah. So Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able to perform. It's like this. If God promised you something, you gotta, you, you got to come to the conclusion that he is able to do this. If he wasn't able, he wouldn't say he would because he is a promise keeper and he's a covenant. He's not a covenant breaker. Let's go to Romans 4. And I believe God in this hour is very, very important for us to choose whose side you're going to be on. I'm on the Lord's side. (laughs) I'm on the Lord's side. Even in, in everything that you see that's going on, even in the, in the world, there's two sides. It's not a third or, the, or a fourth side. Romans 4.19, it 
It says, and not, this is talking about Abraham and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. It, um, already dead. See, his body was already dead. He was a hundred since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he knew his wife was 90, but he didn't pay attention to that. If, if you can understand. In other words, he, he just, he made a decision after a long time because you don't forget he went and had a baby with the chambermaid. And it was Sarah's bright idea because she knew she was in her nineties, not of childbearing years. So in other words, when we read this, instead of saying, well, these are people in the Bible, you know, or they lived back in Jesus's day or which they didn't, but you know what I'm saying? God did that. But we need to understand that it's the same God, same God. So verse 20 says, he did not waver or stagger at the promises of God through unbelief. In other words, he didn't, he stopped looking at his age. He stopped looking at how his body felt. And that's what I'm learning. You can't go by how you feel because you're healed. Amen. You speak to pain. You speak to the, the devil. You have authority over it. If it keep coming back, keep, keep speaking to it. So you have to do these things. You have to make up your mind one way or the other who you're going to believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 21, and being fully convinced or being fully persuaded that what he had what he had promised, in other words, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Amen. So this is not so much as great faith, which it is great faith, but anybody, all we have to do just remind ourselves, well, what did God say? If he said it, he must be able to do it. Amen. Somebody say something to me, talk to me. Because whatever God says, he He can back it up. And if he doesn't, then you need to talk to him and say, God, what did you say? Because I'm in this situation because I trusted you this far. And you say it not in a mean way, but you say it respectfully. You know, the woman that uh, I, I don't remember who what she was, what they call her in the Bible. But remember, she kept agitating that king, and that king was say, I wasn't scared of her or the God she served, but she kept bugging me. She worried me so much, I did it. And so that doesn't mean that you can wear God out. We can't wear God out. But you can keep reminding him of what he said. Even if it's something on your end that you're not understanding and you keep doing wrong, you keep going back to God, he'll show you something. He'll show you what you're doing wrong. He's done me like that. And then I say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's always, it's the little bit of leaven that spoils the whole, whatever it says, lump. It's not the, it, see, this is how we, we're so defensive that we always think it's something real big and bad that we're doing wrong. It could be something small. And normally it is. And all we need is a word. All we need is God to show us something. Amen. Hallelujah. I think I need to go further. 
verse 21 and being fully convinced or fully persuaded. See, we have to be persuaded. Nothing wrong with being persuaded. It's nothing wrong with us not believing as long as you change what you think. Amen. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. In other words, what I'm seeing here is, okay, God promised it, but not just that he promised it. He's also, that word also joins that together. He's also able to perform it. And I think we miss out on that part. I know I did for many years. God, I know what you're telling me to do. Have faith, trust, you know, stand. Having done all, I got to the point where I couldn't stand S-T-A-N-D. I didn't like that word. I'm standing. But what I didn't understand is he is able to perform what he's asking me to believe. I left that off. And I think that's why that word also is in there. It ties, it ties the promise to the end result. Are y'all here today? Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. God will bless you when you trust him and when you, when you believe what he says. It's like, well, God, I'm believing you and I'm trusting you as hard because I haven't seen anything. It's been a long time. You, that's the stuff you need to talk to him about. And you talk to him, he'll tell you something. He'll tell you whatever it is that you need to know. Amen. I didn't want to do verse 23, but I'm a, I'm going to finish it. It says, now it was written for his sake along with it. It was imputed to him. So in other words, God just uh, imputed righteousness to Abraham because it was such a hard thing to believe. I mean, come on, 190. But because they believed it, it was accounted or imputed as righteousness for Abraham and Sarah. It says 24, but also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe. You need to underline that who believe. If you believe, even, even it, look, the more impossible it seemed, the more God's going to bless you if you believe it. So the more impossible it seems to you and me in the natural, I'm telling you, God likes to do that kind of stuff because he likes to confound the wisdom of the wise, even us. Even if it's us about our situation, he's going to do that thing because he knows that you think he ain't. Or I, I'll change this. He knows that we think he can't. Does that, isn't that different? Because it's like, I want to believe that you're going to do this, but I don't think you can because it's, you know, like an impossible thing. But God major in impossible things. Hallelujah. I, did I always feel this way? No. No, I didn't. But I do now. Hallelujah. Let's see. Uh, so it's imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead now if he can raise jesus from the dead i know he can do something with a a a crazy husband or whatever it is finding the right person or getting you the right house or whatever it is verse 25 it says jesus our lord from the dead 
who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So in other words, Jesus took care of all this stuff. It's already all these impossible things is already dealt with anyway. Amen. It's already dealt with. Hallelujah. So Abraham didn't stagger at the promises through unbelief. He believed even though, see, we need to get out of looking at stuff from the natural and making a judgment on God because that's what we do. But he was fully persuaded. The more I, I broke out of that, I'm going to tell you how I did it in some situations I'm still working on. But I start, the more the more impossible it seemed, the more I told God, I know you could do it. I know you can do it. Amen. So I start attacking those negative thoughts in my mind. I know you can do it. And so the the part that's going to get you over is he was also able to perform. In other words, God just wasn't making an idle promise. He's able to perform it too. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. Because of the shed blood on the cross, our covenant with God is legal. This is what we need to understand. It's legal. The blood makes the covenant legal. Amen. And nothing can break it. It's like this. Well, I didn't know I was in covenant with God. I didn't hear about that. I don't remember making a covenant with God. Look, the covenant that you're in with him is legal. You can't even mess this up. So just be quiet. Amen. Because you are Abraham's seed and heir to the promise. So it's good to know how things are done. This is why David attacked Goliath, because he knew he was in covenant with God. God had to back him up. See, when we know that we're in covenant with God, God sends help. He does whatever he needs to do to make this thing happen, because he's in it, and he can't back out of it. He doesn't want to, but if he did want to, he he can't back out of a covenant, because the covenant is legal. Amen. There's no court in the land that could come against a a covenant. Just can't do it. It's legal. Amen. And your faith is legal. No, no. I can't think of that term, but it's some, some term about faith too. Can't do anything about faith because it's, it's legal and nobody can stop it. Amen. So these champions were covenant minded. See, I, we need to study. I'm studying everything about the champions because I want to be like that. Amen. So what are some of the things they were covenant minded? They were aware of who they are. They knew about authority and that God has give, had given us authority. They knew that the gates of hell could not prevail against them because they belonged to God. See, when you know some things, you take that next step, the step that you're afraid to take. You know how sometimes you know God is trying to tell you, do this, do that, and you say, well, it might not work. It's got to work because God is backing you up with his covenant. And if even if you get out there and you mess up, then God will still cover you. All you got to do is repent. God, I didn't know. It's like uh, Pat Robertson had a church for 13 years, and so did Kenneth Hagin. And people got saved. They got healed. They did great and mighty works in the community. And then finally God said, I ain't tell you to do that. 
Some, sometimes just because something works doesn't mean it's in God's plan, but he will allow it because of the people who are attached to what you're doing. And I didn't understand that for a long time until finally uh, I was listening to some tape by Kenneth Hagin or somebody, and he was saying, I think Pat Robertson was the one that said, God said, I'm not going to let them people suffer because it was all black neighborhood. They were the only white people there, and he had services in his garage. These people had no food. It was in New York somewhere. They had nothing. And they started a food chain. I mean, he did great works in that area for 13 years. God said, do you think I was going to let them people starve because you you was out of my plan? He says, I allowed that. He said, I didn't tell you to do it. He says, but it was a good work, and I allowed it because those people needed you. And so probably in the 13th year, God probably said he ain't going to never get the hint because they did without. They were very poor, just like the people in the community. He, It was time for him to bless them. And God finally said, I ain't tell you to do that, but he got somebody to take that ministry over because it was a good work. Amen. So just, but see, this is what confused children of God because something is working. They think it's God. Not all the time. Not all the time. You know, sometimes God will allow things because of who's attached to the work that you're doing. Amen. Crickets. 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 But it's still true. I mean, I didn't understand, and I'm thinking, well, why do you let him do it? Then I finally got, okay. He wasn't going to let them people starve. He was the only bold person in the area that had uh, wisdom from God on how to get those people fed and set free. They had many um, salvations. I mean, he, he, it was a whole church. It, it went from his garage. He had to get a building. These people, and think about getting a building where people don't even have jobs in the area. Or, or you know, they need every penny to go into their households. But he did it. God, God is with you when your heart is right. Let me say that. He is just with you. Amen. And he will not, uh, he will not allow you to fail in some things because of the heart, hearts of the people and because of your heart. He'll cause it to work. Amen. But repentance is the key to success. When you have some failures in your life and it's bugging you too much, how about just repent? daily repentance is good i'm telling you every day i know you could think of something to repent for i can well it's still crickets but it's okay (laughs) amen but see these champions knew god couldn't fail them it's not that they had so much confidence in themselves they knew god could not fail them that puts the weight of it over on god and i like that because sometimes you need somewhere to put the blame, if you know what I'm saying. Or, or, you know, that's being not so nice, but sometimes we need to know that God is still with us even though we mess up. First John 4. Let's go there. I'm almost done. Don't throw me out. <laughs> Hallelujah. First John 4. We need to know some things. One thing is that we're in covenant. Another thing, that God has given us authority. 
And then another thing is that Christ is in us. And this was Paul's revelation. Christ in us, the hope of glory. When Christ is in your heart, there is nothing you cannot do. It ain't us. It's still God working mighty wonders through us. So first John four, let's see, verse four. It says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about the devil and the antichrist that everybody's so scared of and everybody else. The 666. Oh, 666. You're greater. The greater one lives in you, not in, in the devil. Amen. I'm going to read it again. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Them who? Them that are in the world. These people that pretend like they like you and they don't because of who's in you. Sometimes when you're on your job, you see how they react to you. It's because of what's in you. The Bible already said they'll hate you because they hate him. Get used to it. And if you are at a place where that doesn't affect you, hallelujah. Because it's not like everybody can't say that. Amen. It says, they are of the world, therefore they speak as the world, and the world hears them. Amen. Did I read that? Yeah, I read four and five. And let's go to six. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Are y'all here? So in other words, quit casting your pearls before swines. You minister to people and if they don't, they don't still don't want to change, leave them alone. Cause it says in verse six, see, and I used to not do this. I used to keep on and keep on. I can win them over. And they still, 30 years later, same old demons they used to be. Same old liars, same old jealous-hearted people, same old everything. So what did I do? I wasn't hearing from God. That's what. Ouch. Let me read verse 6 again. We are of God. He who knows God hears what you're saying when you minister to them. He who is not of God does not hear you. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. They are in spirit of error. Faking. That's what fakes do. I mean, what do you call people that's in the church that fake? What? Hypocrite, right. They're hypocrites. Amen. Just, it's, I don't like it, but that's just the way it is. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who love is born of God and knows God. Y'all see what you see that? So people who don't have love, especially for people they don't even know, never met them before on the face of the earth, but you don't like them. That ain't God. It's just not God. If it is somebody explain to me because I, I don't I'm going by what the word of God says it says he who does not love does not know God for God is love 
verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son uh, into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the propitiation of our sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's see. The word describes Christ's propitiation is his sacrificial death is pointing the finger back to being a sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Hallelujah. I think I'll leave it there. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, where, how did that get kicked out of the church? But it, it, it did. It did. Because you, you've been to churches. They stare you up and down. You don't dress right. They don't want you in there. Like, who are they? It's just sad. But that's how people are. Some people, because they have not love. Amen. Amen. So this ought to be our mindset. First John 4, 4. Now let me go back to the fourth uh, verse. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. So we need to remember that. And that tells us who we are. The greater one lives in us. Amen. The power is in us. Amen. And and this is the thing God wants you to know by that scripture. The power that's in us, the greater one lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the greater one that lives in us is greater than any power that would try to come against you and defeat you. That that power of God that's in you is greater than the worldly powers that would try to defeat you, that would come against you. In other words, anything that try to come against you, Christ in you is more powerful than that entity. Are y'all here today? Amen. Well, everybody should be saying amen. But I guess, oh, I know that. Well, you'll let your life reflect it. That's why we're hearing this. I need to hear it too. If you're faced with a fire or how the enemy, uh, what would the enemy do if you were faced with the fire? Uh, let me just put this another way. When you go through the fire or a test or trial, that can be the fire. What do you do? Number one, you understand and know who you are. The greater one lives in you. See, these are things you got to tell the devil. The greater one lives in me. Hallelujah. When everything is coming against you, the greater one lives in me. And stand strong. We can stand strong and walk through adversity. Amen. More importantly, we can come out of any trial victorious when you know who you are. You get finished telling the devil over and over and over again, the greater one lives in me. I have authority over you and you trespassing. Those words right there can can take you into a new uh, era or a new uh, 
place in God or, or a higher level in God. Just knowing that. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So any trial, God doesn't care what it is that's coming against you. You are victorious. Why? Because you have authority over, you've been given authority over this thing. Amen. So important thing, know who you are in him. These, this is what the champions knew. They knew who they were in Christ Jesus. They knew that God was with us as a mighty, terrible one. And we must be fully persuaded of this. See, if you're not fully persuaded, let me tell you what I should tell you if you're fully persuaded. If you have a plan B, well, if this don't work, I can do that. That's a plan B. You're not fully persuaded. It's good to know where you are so you can knock that thing down. And, you know, plan B, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to you. You gotta go. Cause I'm trusting God. And this is the thing in this end time. You can think it and have faith all you want on the inside in your heart, but you have to say it out. You have to say it. It's quiet crickets. I'm gonna find a scripture that tells you that. You gotta say what God is saying in your situation. You can't no more sitting up being quiet. You gotta talk to that thing, cause let me tell you something, this end time demon, this devil, he don't respect nobody. Especially Christians. Do you know that Christians are being killed every day? The, the, the media just is not gonna tell you, cause they're hooked up with the devil. Some kind of way these people that own these, uh, what are they, news stations have cashed in. And they're not telling you. But it was uh, a mosque. They say a mosque, but there were Christians were uh, involved with that place. 49 shot dead and over 80-something wounded. They didn't tell you that on the news. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you. And it's just the why. End times. Everybody talking about end times. Do you know what the end times consist of? A lot of betrayal, a lot of lies, a lot of everything else. And the media is not going to tell you. Some of them will. A few of them will. Most of them won't. Because they they sold out. And they're not going to tell the truth. And they're killing Christians every day. And we're going to find out. That end times mean devour Christians. So God is preparing his people because he's already said, look, the fiery trial is going to come. You're facing it, but I'm with you. You got to proclaim Jesus anyhow. Amen. That's what champions do. Refute the fearful mindset. And I'm still working on that. You know how sometimes you hear something, you say, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but you have to refute. You got to call that thing down. Amen. And I'll just end with Daniel 3, uh, chapter 14. And, of course, you know the story talks about King Neb and the three, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three were going to be put into the fiery furnace. I'm going to try to find Daniel. Amen. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built, um, what is that thing? Uh, yeah, a statue to be worshipped. 
And everybody in the, in the city worshiped it except the, th- those three. Why? Because they belonged to God and they weren't going to sell out. Amen. Even if facing death. Amen. Uh, Daniel three, let's do 14. And he said, he was saying his rule was at the, at the sound of the harps and the, you know, all of the musical instruments, you bow down. And you worship this piece of wood or gold, whatever it was. I think it was gold. And so these were friends of Daniel and Daniel had promoted them and they had good respect and they had good positions in the, in the community, in the city. And so they just said, no, they're not going to bow. They're not going to do it. Now I like the part I didn't look uh, but there's a part in here where it says God gave them wisdom and what was it? Yeah, exactly. Special knowledge and wisdom. So you know what that tells me to know what to do and who to obey and what side to be on. You got to have some special wisdom. Amen. You got to have some knowledge. Amen. I don't know if this is it. But chapter 2, when it's talking about Nebuchadnezzar, uh, let's see, he gave Daniel night vision of heaven. And it says uh, he gave him wisdom, verse 21, and he changes the times and seasons. He He removes kings and raises up kings. See, that's why it's not good to bow to a king because he can be removed. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge of those who have understanding. And see, so this is why the the three Hebrew boys did not bow, because God had given them special wisdom and understanding. It's somewhere else in here. I didn't. 117. Oh, and one. Let's flip just. Thank you. Right. Okay, it says, as for these four young men, that's including Daniel, it says, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Hallelujah. God will give you all of that. Why? Because he's in covenant with you. Amen. So you can't walk into an ambush. Now you see why in, in chapter 3 they weren't scared. Because they said, God said, look, even though you're facing the furnace, I'm going to come and get you out of there. I'm in there with you. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you would have went on in there. But they did. Because they knew who they were. They had wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Amen. They were in covenant with God. And that's all they had. And they knew God had to come through for them. Just like some of our situations, we need to know. I'm telling you, that's the, that's the kicker. You gotta know that God has to. He has to. It's not a thing about will he. See, this is how we were raised up in the church. God can do all things. He, he can, but will he? I was raised up in the, you know, well, I was a Catholic, then I was a Baptist. But will he? And I always used to say, well, God, I know you able, but will you do this for me? 
and that was wrong. He has to do it. If you're in covenant with him, you're born again, he has to do it. And he's just waiting on people to know who he is. You got to know who God is. You got to know what lengths. What de- That's why Paul was talking about the length, the depth, the height of his love. That's what he was talking about. Christ in you. The hope. And that was the answer to the gospel. That was the answer. Amen. The hope. Christ the hope. He was the prize. He was everything that we need to get to where we need to be. Amen. He he is the only way. The way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. He is that and much more. So verse 14, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the gold image which I have set up? And see, some, uh, um, what is this, kings or people in, in, in authority, they like to have control over people. And this was his form of control. 15, it says, now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lair, and uh, what's that, salt, palsy, I forgot how to say that, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have. See, he was standing over them saying, you're going to do this right now. Then he says, good, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? It's like, who's going to help you once I get a hold of you? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning. See, you see what he said? He said, our God is able. That's the punchline. I'm telling you, that's what makes you a champion. That's what gets you everything you want when you know the God that you serve. You know what he's capable of doing. Maybe you never, they never saw him get into a furnace, but they knew he could and they knew he would. It, it wasn't can he, he can, but will he come? They were sold out. They were fully persuaded like Abraham that what God said he would do, he was able to perform. It wasn't just a bunch of promises. Sometimes we look at God as just a bunch of promises. Honey, he can fix things, I'm telling you. He can fix whatever bugs you. He can and he will. All you got to do is know him like that. You know him like that, he will tear heaven and hell down just to do for you because he loves you that much. And these are the things we need to start telling ourselves. Now, if you are ready at the time, okay, I read that. Okay, thanks. But if you, if not, if you ain't ready to bow, verse 18, let it be known to you. I, Let's, let's see. Yeah, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar um, was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that 
they heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So in other words, they had trouble on all sides. This is what Paul was talking about. Trouble on all sides. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, true, O king. He says, Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not burned, and the form of a fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. So know that when you're in the midst of a fiery trial, Jesus is with you. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Hallelujah. Know the deliverance of God. Know he'll do it. Do you know when? No. You don't know when. All you know is he'll do it. That he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power in you. Thank you. He's going to do it. Amen. And then when the devil come tomorrow or tonight and tell you he ain't, you speak. See, this is the season to decree. The Bible says to decree a thing. It's talking about now. This is the season to speak on things amen you got a decree you tired of tired of being in the situation you you are you start saying it let the redeemed of the lord say so and that's what that means amen so to decree a thing we are living in a season of the decree and that's what that means you got to say what you mean mean what you say say what you need okay where am i 26, and Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning furnace and spoke Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. See, he, the devil always know who you are. It's funny, they treat you like a dog, but they know who you are. They know who you are. They know better than we know who we are. He says, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the sastraps, administrators, governors, and the, you know, all of the upper echelon, I'll put it like that, came together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The fire had no power. The hair on their head was not affected, and they didn't even smell like smoke. It was not on them. Amen. The residue is not on them. When you are persecuted, and i got to say this, when you are persecuted for the sake of the gospel, the residue is not on you. I don't care how crabby you feel. And people will, in your own family, they're going to persecute you. Listen, when you get to the right place, you get persecuted for a long time. 
but then it'll ease up and they, they, because they'll start to need what you got. But it's not so much fun in the, in the, <laughs> the days where you got to plow through and, and, and explain yourself to them. And they don't even know God and what they have is false, but they're going to put their two cents in on how you living and where you going and what you doing. Oh, you mean you got to go every Saturday? Haven't we heard this for years? For years. You spend more time there than you do home for years, for years. But then every one of them that has said that through the years have needed the prayers of the saints in this ministry. That's how it, go, that's how it works. But God's going to see what you're going to do. Nebuchadnezzar spoke up saying, blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. God says enough to know it ain't his God, but that their God is blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve. In other words, as when it says bodies as living sacrifices, it says, nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made as ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then the, God, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So in other words, they got promoted and blessed by the very person that threw them in the furnace. Happens like that all the time. So fiery trials are not bigger than Jesus and will see us through. As long as you have not been thrown in a hot furnace, your situation is not beyond help. These champions did not even smell like smoke. Amen. Because they knew that God, see, they knew going in that God could help them. If we had a little more faith. Uh, what was that? Proverbs 3, 4, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all of your ways. Acknowledge him, acknowledge him, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We show a little bit more of that. God will come through. Amen. Okay, why don't we stop? Father, we do thank and praise you. Amen. And we lift you up in Jesus' name. We thank and we bless you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that we're your champions that we think like you, we love like you, we act like you, because you created us in your image to be just like you. And we do thank and praise you, and we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God.